It's time for View from Military Mind Daily View for Wednesday, May 6, 2020. Views and opinions about world and national events from the minds of the men and women that are defending and have defended our freedoms for the past 244 years. Unfiltered, unedited, and definitely not PC. If you're ready, let's move out. On today's show, in the first segment, we'll look at some of the top stories from the past 24 hours. First story we'll look at is going to be the left versus the far left. Is the DNC tearing itself apart over Tara Reid's allegations? We'll take and see what the quick news on that is. Our second story will be armed stay-at-home protesters. Are they right or wrong? And is it a safety issue? We'll see what Sean Hannity from Fox News has to say on that score, along with Dan Bongino. And our third story we'll look at is Bill Mayer. He needs to check his mental stability. Is he still suffering from TDS, Trump Derangement Syndrome? In the second segment today, we'll go in-depth and share opinions on the Native Americans' health crisis, which is exacerbated by the COVID-19 pandemic and arguments over CARES Act distribution. So we'll take a look at that. And finally, thoughts and views from my military mind on the media bias and the damage it has done to true and honest journalism. So write to us at vfamm2020 at gmail.com with your opinions and input. Right after the break, we'll get started. Podnews.net is a short newsletter every weekday with everything you need to know about podcasting and on demand. You can subscribe free at podnews.net for new podcast launches, company changes, stats, and no waffle. In fact, podnews.net is so waffle-free it's really short, just like this promo. All right, our first story we'll take a look at. The left versus the far left. Is the Democratic Party and the DNC tearing itself apart over Joe Biden's alleged misconduct? and Tara Reid's allegation against him. Um, In an article yesterday uh, in the Washington Examiner, they took a look at um, whether it's created a big divide in the Democrats. Of course, the denied sexual misconduct claims against Joe Biden have splintered them all to pieces. Uh, Just as the party started bridging divides exposed by a long competitive primary. Um, After hiding behind campaign spokespeople, Biden, um, last week bowed to mounting pressure and publicly and directly rebutted allegations made by Tara Reid against him. Um, But Biden's denial has failed to quiet discontent expressed by more liberal Democrats, uh, especially those once in the Bernie Sanders camp, uh, who don't want a candidate marred with accusations similar to those uh, leveled at Trump last cycle. Um, Peter Dow, uh, a veteran of Hillary Clinton's uh, 2008 and 2016 White House bids um, before he joined the, joined the Sanders 2020 team, has repeatedly reminded Democrats the primary isn't over. Um, given Biden, 77 has yet to clinch the uh, 1,991 delegates needed to become the party's next standard bearer outright. 
Um, he's tweeted often continually, the Democratic primary is not over. Millions of voters have not yet been heard. Those who already voted did not know the details of the nine sexual assault and or harassment allegations against Biden. Uh, any former candidate can restart their campaign and the, the people can speak. So he's he's adamant that this isn't over and he doesn't want Biden up there. Um, of course, New York's Time opinion writer, Elizabeth Brunig, uh, distilled the argument in a piece called Democrats, Time to Consider a Plan B. Um, of course, she got both praise and rebukes online, uh, including criticism from uh, Neera Tandon, the president of the Left Wing Center for American Progress, and, and who was always a longtime Clinton confidant. Um, basically, uh, Tandon called her out and uh, said, D Democrats who worry about this situation is a means by which the hard left can uh, relitigate a primary in which their preferred candidate lost uh, and thereby supplant the will of the voters. Uh, you know, it said that a uh, uh, Brunig column like this is not going to be reassuring Tandon wrote. Uh, so they're, they're back and forth and back and forth. Um, it's, they, they're tearing themselves apart. Uh, uh, comments such as Tandon's have in turn drawn their own condemnations as Democrats try to, to unite ahead of November's general election in order to turn out a winning coalition of voters. Um, and despite their contender's own murky record with women, uh, the Trump campaign and some Republican strategists have sought to capitalize on the Democrats', Democrats predicament. Um, in, in which Biden supporters are uh, in a bad position of defending women's rights uh, to be heard while standing for the man they hope to replace the White House incumbent with in the fall. So it, Biden needs to come out in front of this. And there is a lot more absolute proof about the allegations against Biden than they were in his uh, the man he's trying to uh, replace. So... Move on to the next story. Again, as I always tell everybody, educate yourself, stay informed, and look into that. And the next thing we're going to take a look at is the armed stay-at-home protesters. Um, are they right or are they wrong? And are they creating a safety issue? Now, Sean Hannity, uh, Fox News host, on uh, on Sunday, uh, urged the stay-at-home protesters to keep their guns at home. Um the aggressive social distancing policies we've had out there uh, have led to protests throughout the nation. We've been seeing those all over the news. And, um, and some of the, the protesters are carrying long rifles, um, and those lead to intense encounters with law enforcement. Uh, it's not a good thing to have those out there, um, uh, according to Hannity. Uh, during his show on Monday night, Hannity condemned the armed protesters. He says, yeah, he says, I don't like this part in Michigan. I'm the number one supporter on radio and television that I know of, of the First Amendment and the Second Amendment. Now, no one is a bigger defender of the Second Amendment than yours truly, saying, and this is coming from Sean Hannity, uh, everyone has the right to pr protest, protect themselves, and try to get the country open. This, with the militia look here, and these long guns, uh, no. So, And he continues on saying that a show of force is dangerous. Uh, that puts the police at risk. And by the way, your message will never be heard. 
whoever you people are, no one should be attempting to intimidate officials with a show of force. And God forbid something happens when they're going to go after all of us law-abiding Second Amendment people. Now, and those are Sean Hannity's comments. Now, his guest, Don Bongino, disagreed with the notion that they should not be armed during the, the protest, but agreed that the armed demonstrations could dilute the message, you know, the message of the protesters. Uh, Bongino said that's the liberal media's efforts more to paint uh, the people there as some kind of like crazed bunch of lunatics more than it is the people who they're actually trying to represent that they have rights to. Um, and Hannity did go on to say the decision to carry long guns rather than concealed weapons was solely to imitate, to intimidate officials. And he warned that protesters need to be cautious not to spin out of control or working to reopen the state. Now, in my opinion, uh, I do have to agree with both men on certain parts. Uh, you don't need to go, be going out there looking like a, uh, a militia. You don't need the long guns. If you're worried about your protection, Carry a sidearm. Carry a concealed sidearm. You have every right to do so. Um, I'm a big supporter. Unfortunately, the view or the optics, and everybody gets all upset about that, but the optics of what you're doing, you're going out there looking like you're going to start fighting with everybody, and you've got a long gun to do so. So stop it. And carry your weapons. Cool. Carry your concealed weapons. Carry your sidearms. You don't need some lunatic with a long gun out there and making it worse with the left in front of the left-wing media uh, carrying that big gun you've got hand uh, right there in front of you. All right, now moving on to the third story. Um, about Bill Mayer, or Mar, however you want to pronounce that. Uh, I really think he needs to check his mental stability uh, on May 4th, which was Monday. Uh Talk show host Bill Maher, speaking with uh, Obama-era Attorney General Eric Holder, um, he is so convinced that President Trump will lose re-election and refuse to leave the White House that police will have to be called in to drag him out. Uh, <laughs> now, Eric Holder did say federal agents have the power to force Trump out. Maher doubted they would because they like Trump. Um he, you know, he made the statement, he says, they have the ability, but do they have the will? The will? Now, he made this on Real Time with B Bill Maher on HBO, uh, adding that uh, police love his dirty draws, and do you really think they're going to pull him out of the White House? Uh, there's a, a transcript uh, of what Bill Maher said between him and uh, Holder, but basically he just, he, he's espousing his Trump derangement syndrome by swearing that if he's defeated, President Trump will refuse to leave the White House and they'll have to force him out. <clears throat> and he disparages or impugns the integrity of law enforcement that they won't fulfill their, their duties by putting out his darkest, darkest imaginations about Trump. And that's all this guy's got is imagination. Uh, it, a lot of things that he said has never come to fruition. Um, and and Elder, Eric Holder did the best he could to kind of quell this guy down. And said on the day of uh, Holder said on the day of inauguration, I actually think that he will leave. And if he doesn't leave, the United States Marshal Service, the Metropolitan Police Department here in D.C., 
and the Secret Service all have the ability to pull him out of the White House and we'll get on with the inauguration of the President of the United States. And, and But Marr still, he pushed on, he pushed on. This is a man that, that espouses and pushes forward insane theories and conspiracy. But those are the stories coming up this week. So it is really crazy. So we'll take a quick short break, and then we'll go into the second segment uh, where we're going to a little more depth on the uh, Native Americans' health crisis uh, with COVID-19. So stand by, and we'll be right back. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. All right, we're back. We'll get into segment two here. We're going to go into depth and share opinions on the uh, Native Americans' health crisis that has been exacerbated by the COVID-19 pandemic and our arguments over the CARES aid distribution package. Um, there was an article that was written yesterday by Eric Ortiz of NBC uh, Seattle. And uh, looking at uh, the uh, Native Americans, uh, their health center there in Seattle asked for COVID-19 supplies, and instead it got body bags. Uh, this is not funny. Um, it's kind of ironic, but it, it really isn't funny uh, what's going on here. Um, it said in mid-March, as the Seattle re- region grappled with a coronavirus outbreak, a community health center caring for the area's Native American population made an urgent request to county, state, and federal health agencies. Police and medical supplies. What it received almost three weeks later left staff members stunned. Um, Esther Lacero, who was the chief executive officer of the Seattle Indian Health Board, uh, stated that uh, her team ter- her team turned ghost white. We asked for tests, and they sent us a box of body bags. Uh, the health board center, serving about six thousand people a year in Seattle and King County. Uh, still has the package, uh, which is filled with zippered white bags and beige tags that re- attach to toe. Um, Lucero went on to say that the, the, body, the body bags were a mistake, yet nonetheless macabre delivery from a distributor via King County's Public Health Department. Um, Abigail Echohawk, the, the health board's chief research officer, says she believes that the message it sends, even unintentionally, is resonating in uh, Native American communities across the United States during the pandemic um, because there is a pressing lack of adequate resources and funding as promised. Um, And as I researched into this, it was crazy what I was finding out. You know, saying that, you know, there's the Indian organizations across the country are in a similar crisis and can use medical supplies and help instead of watching their people die. Um, of course, Echo Hawk went on to say that this is a metaphor for what's happening, you know, getting body bags instead of their help. Um, of course, their concern comes as federal 
government announced Tuesday that it will begin dis- distributing millions of dollars in desperately needed uh, pandemic relief funds to Native American tribal governments. <coughs> Money that was delayed for more than a month in a related legal dispute. And that dispute's still going on for the most part. Um, now, Seattle and Washington as a whole have managed to slow the spread of the coronavirus after being the nation's earliest hotspot uh, in the beginning of March. Uh, Echo Hawk says she's worried about whether the center will be able to uh, perform the necessary coronavirus testing or secure enough personnel protective equipment uh, as businesses reopen if a second wave of virus crops up later this year. Um, and she wanted to know, are they going to keep getting body bags? Are they going to get uh, what they actually need? Um so this is insane, uh, what has happened. Um, they have 40, uh, the Seattle Indian Health Board has indicated they got 41 urban health programs under the Federal Indian Health Service, which provides health care across access to about 2.5 million American Indians and Alaskan natives. Um, uh, Lucero said receiving PPE or COVID-19 tests uh, and not body bags back in March was critical while they're working to curb the spread of the virus. Uh, at the time, the Seattle Indian Health Board did not have the capacity to test. And although FEMA did offer to provide testing for the center, the logistics involved didn't make the process feasible. So they turned down FEMA's offer, and then that's when the box of body bags inexplicably arrived. Uh, that's really a sick joke. Uh, and the reason they turned it down is the health board did not have a, a contact at the county health department to ask about the, the shipment. Um, but they did help deliver about 200 COVID-19 test kits that they had received. Um, the earlier ones they had asked for uh, couldn't be tested. Um, they, they couldn't use their own health lab to process the test and, and communicate the, re- the results to the patients directly. The ones they got later on directly from uh, the county, they could test directly. Uh, they had access and could process them in local labs and communicate uh, directly with the patients. So there was a reason they couldn't take those early ones, so let's understand that. <coughs> it wasn't that they didn't want them. They couldn't use them. So uh, they've, They've tried to get a hold of everybody, trying to figure out what was going on, why those come in, but of course nobody's available and haven't been able to get a, uh, an understanding. Uh, of course, it does put light on a um, a bigger issue with our Native Americans uh, that their health care is so poorly managed and so so little is available to them, especially the 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 funding for it. Now. They've, had, they've received some federal funding, which has helped set up additional testing sites and keep the center operating. Um, but the program could benefit from further funding set aside for tribes and federal Indian programs in the, uh, the CARES Act, a true trillion stimulus package pack, passed in March. They still are not getting all of this. So what they've been doing is they've been uh, pushing forward and creating resources needed for, for them by them. They're you know, creating locally available resources until they can get this additional help. Uh, of course, we know that when you create local resources that you d- you designed yourself, you, you don't have as much availability. So, and you know, the government has an obligation to provide health care to all Native Americans as stipulated in long-standing treaties 
with these Indian tribes. And these are long, long-standing, uh, created long before any of us were probably alive. Um, they Now, the Treasury and Interior Departments announced a distribution Tuesday of $4.8 billion to tribal governments, divvied up based on their census figures. Uh, uh, however, the urban Indian programs, such as one in Seattle, is not part of this phase, um, which is a big hurt. Now, the stimulus money was expected to be released before the end of April as mandated by law, but a legal feud erupted when tribal governments denounced the idea that Alaska Native corporations, which are for-profit businesses that serve tribal villages, will be allocated some of the funding. And this is one of the big things we'll get later on, uh, we'll get into later on in this segment about these um, uh, ANCs or Alaska Native corporations. I'll get a little insight into them. Um, now, Tara Sweeney, who is Assistant Secretary for Indian Affairs and Department of Interior and the, an Alaska Native, has been accused by some tribes of having a conflict of interest in trying to divert some of the funding for uh, to these Alaska Native corporations. Uh, now, of course, the Interior Department is going to respond back saying that, you know, she acted ethically and that some are seeking to sow division during a time of crisis on with unfounded allegations of favoritism. Um, some Native American tribes have filed a lawsuit challenging that aid to ANCs uh, and the Treasury Department. Uh, of course, Treasury Department on Tuesday said that uh, such funding will be held back until the litigation is resolved. Uh, even Senator Tom Udall, uh, Democrat from New Mexico, he's the vice chairman of the seventh, uh, Senate Committee on Indian Affairs, said the funds should have been out the door to help Native communities on the outset of the pandemic. Um, the Treasury's announcement is the definition of too little, too late. And it comes weeks after the deadline and uh, billions of dollars short. So he's not doing a whole lot to help it out. But uh, it, it's crazy that they're going to try to pass a, a bunch of this money out to these ANCs because just by virtue of their name, without us getting into the research yet, they're corporations, they're for-profit businesses. So, And it's sad, too, as I'm doing the research on this, I, I find out that people from Ireland through a GoFundMe are flooding uh, the Native Americans with help uh, to thank them for their help during the Great Hunger Famine back in the 1840s. You know, the, the Irish have not forgotten that. So they're flooding in donations and food and all kinds of stuff through a GoFundMe com campaign uh, that was created to raise money for Navajo and Hopi families hit hard by the virus. But it, and... But so far, they've provided, I don't know, it's, uh, well, initially, uh, according to the organizers of the GoFundMe, the Choctaw Nation provided $170 in relief money, thousands of dollars in today's dollars, to the Irish during the famine in 1845. And Native American donors were said to have been inspired to help others who were suffering after experiencing massive losses during the Trail of Tears when Native people were forced off their land and pushed west. So this is 173 years ago that the the Choctaw Nation provided money to the Irish um, who were going through a great famine, or the great yeah the great hunger famine, and the Irish have remembered it this time late so much time later and have returned the favor to help 
uh, their Native American brothers and sisters in our in their moment of hardship. So it it's really this is a, a sad sad viewpoint uh, about the American people. The Irish remember something that happened 173 years ago, and we can't remember what the hell happened yesterday. And, and to help the people who are native to this land, um, it, it, it's un, unimaginable. Now, so far, the campaign has raised more than $1.8 million towards its $2 million goal. So they're getting a significant financial help when our own country can't even help them. That's crazy. You know, it makes you wonder what is wrong and what is going on. You know, especially now that we've got this big surge you know, in a Native American populace for positive tests. Um, just in New Mexico, statewide inf- infection increased by a couple of hundred to over 3,200 positive tests with two uh, deaths in McKinney and Sanibel counties, including hospitalized patients, which give their overall uh, fatalities to, uh, 112. You know, that's as of April 29th. So, I mean, this is going through, and it's devastating. It's devastating the, the Native American population. Um, I don't know the exact percentages of the population, but it is... Uh, significantly more than what the general population of the United States is being hit. So, and it, it definitely exposes the infrastructure disparities between the citizens of the United States and the Native American citizens. Um, I don't know what kind of title, I don't want to put a title on it, uh, but you know, you, they are Native Americans. They were here first. This is their land. And then you have other American citizens. That's me and you out there. Um, our families immigrated here at some point, uh, unless you can claim Native American uh, ancestry legally and appropriately. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it, it, there's a big disparity in it. Uh, there's a big crack. There's a lot of doctors that are not, uh, you know, they don't have the health care that they need. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, now, they, you got one article here, uh, again, from NBC, that talks about a doctor that is in, uh, let's see here. Northeastern Arizona, uh, Winslow Indian Healthcare Center, urgent care in Winslow, Winslow, Arizona. Um, uh, a doctor there, um, Michelle Tom, who works there, uh, says every third day someone from Dr. Tom's family navigates their pickup truck 14 miles over pot, pothole pocked dirt roads of the Navajo Nation to a community center. There for about $95 a week, her family fills their water tank and hauls it back to home to double-wide trailer she shares with seven relatives in northeastern Arizona. Or at least that's how Tom was getting water before she had to cut off physical contact with her family because of the coronavirus pandemic uh, that has raged across their tribal community. Uh, for now, she's living with a co-worker to maintain her distance and prevent spread. Um, 
So this is in Winslow, Arizona, where they still don't have running water uh, in the Navajo Nation in uh, Winslow. Now, she's one of the few doctors here in Navajo community on the front lines of the pandemic, and she's taking every co- you know, precaution to stay healthy. But she's had to buy her own protective suit, goggles, and face shields. Uh, and the fact they had limited access to running water, severely understaffed and underfunded healthcare system, and underlying health conditions amongst her, among her patients. Um, here we are a month after the tribe's first confirmed case of uh, coronavirus. Uh, the Navajo Nation, which stresses across parts of Arizona, New Mexico, and Utah, they've reached a grim milestone with at least uh, 1,197 Navajo residents tested positive. 44 of them have died. And they've got a steady increase in cases. Um, they're testing for the coronavirus at a rate more than nine times higher than people in the entire state of Arizona based on reported cases and their uh, census data. Um, the, coronas, uh, the coronavirus is exposing underlying fractures in the infrastructure of the uh, Indian country, including health care and basic needs like water that have long been underfunded and some say ignored by the federal government, which is, looks to be that way. Um, we're telling them 20 seconds of washing hands with water, but you know, how do you do that when you have to haul your water in and then it has to be used for cooking and washing and uh, several other things because you don't have the plumbing it hasn't been put in um, so it, it's showing a lot of cracks that are there uh, in the infrastructure that haven't been taken care of and they're being exacerbated by this uh, COVID-19 coronavirus epidemic now one thing we mentioned earlier uh, with the funding is these ANC's Alaska Native Corporations um, and these corporations are just what they are. They're for-profit corporations. Uh, they are large corporations. Be, I went through some of their sites that explains their income and their financial reporting. Some of these are $10.8 billion. Everybody says, oh, oh they're, they're Native American-owned. Yes, they are. But they're under the same guise as any other big business out there. They are corporations that ha- are for profit. Their shareholders, yes, their primary shareholders are Native Americans and they are getting money off of these corporations when they get their dividends. But to give them federal money that is to help the natives direct, uh, that, that's just like us giving this money to the airlines or other big corporations they balked and bitched about. Uh, that's insane. Um, I personally know of some of these, such as Tyonic, Ulista, Callista. These are big government contractors. They have defense contracts that are billions of dollars in value. Um, their profits are in the billions. But yet they want to try to strip this CARES Act from people, uh, from their own people that need the help. Explain to me what's going on here. Why would you do that? Why would you give it to a corporation. I don't care who owns it. It doesn't matter. Now, fortunately, um, uh, Treasury Secretary Mnuchin is going to get distributions out to the native, uh, the natives themselves, to the tribes. But he's withholding that to the Alaska Native Corporations, which is good. Let's review this. 
before you start pumping this money out to these corporations that have billions of dollars of income, how about let's take a look at those people who really need it first, not a corporation. Take away the Alaska Native part of it. It's a corporation. It's a business that makes billions of dollars. And again, I tell people, educate yourself, research it, look into it. Don't just follow the uh, lemming off the hill. You know, just one company, you know, 70,789 acres of surface lands and 1.57 million acres of subsurface estate where they sell minerals. 252 million in revenue in 2018 for 900 people. But we're going to give them billions of dollars. You know, Callista Corporation. $575 billion in excess. 6.5 million acre land entitlement they get money off of. It's crazy. This can all be researched and you need to look into it. So, Secretary Mnuchin, hold your ground. Native Americans, the tribes themselves, hold your ground. Hold these people to task. This is your own people trying to do you in and do you under. So, all right, hang tight with us. We'll be right back after this last break for my final thoughts and my closing thoughts. All right, so we'll be right back. Since the VFW was founded, their mission was really to look out for the veterans community, to make sure that our nation upholds its promise to really care for the service member, the veteran, and his or her family. There are several ways that the VFW fights for veterans today. The top services include disability claims assistance, advocacy on Capitol Hill and with the Department of Veterans Affairs. We also offer scholarship opportunities and then also volunteerism. For me personally, when I came back from Iraq, my life experience was drastically different from those around me. And the veterans of foreign wars really spoke to me. The reason I would encourage veterans who have served overseas today to join the VFW is because this is your organization. The VFW is for veterans. Every generation, a new generation of leaders steps up in the Veterans of Foreign Wars and fights for the veterans community. The Veterans of Foreign Wars. No one does more for veterans. For All right. Now, for those that, that clip that was sent to me by the VFW, it clipped it off. For more information, go ahead to vfw.org. That's vfw.org. All right, into this um, last segment here. In the closing, this is thoughts and views from my military mind. And today I'm taking a look at the media bias and the damage it has done to true and honest journalism. Um, years and years ago, I started taking journalism in high school. And I have I had a very, very wonderful teacher uh, in my high school that would teach us about it. You know, we grew up in the time of uh, people who were taught by such greats as Morrow, um, and we trusted and believed our media, our TV, our journalists, our newspapers. That was our primary source of information, and we trusted and believed them. You know, it, we questioned some of the stuff, but they always found those answers for us. They never tried to lead us astray uh, for the most part. Um, today, you have people that are so divided, so divisive, 
um, to a couple of prime examples just recently. Uh, MSNBC's um, Chris Hayes made a comment that Trump's reopened plan is to let Americans die from coronavirus like warriors on a battlefield. Now, let me read you his his statement because uh, I like I believe in keeping this in context, just like our old journalists were. Um, Hayes said the Trump administration is about to hang the mission accomplished banner in the fight against coronavirus. Today, President Trump confirmed the White House is winding down um, the task force charged with combating the virus with Vice President Mike Pence citing the tremendous progress uh, we've made as a country so far. Meanwhile, the president is encouraging states to end their lockdowns and shelter-in-place rules, even though, this is a key point, they do not meet his own administration's guidelines to safely reopen, the ones that his administration put out from his CDC. And he's telling Americans who might be nervous about contracting the virus and dying if they go back to work or go out in public or we go back to normal that they need to think of themselves as warriors on the battlefield. Really? Come on, Hayes. So he takes and twists. This is the thing that happens out there. They take and twist. Same thing with CNN's Dave Lemon um, making the comment that Obama, former President Obama, is better looking, smarter, and has more accomplished and has more accomplished wife than President Trump does. Now, this fool goes and attacks, you know, appearance, intelligence, and the president's wife. What are you thinking? I know what he's thinking. They're trying to keep divisiveness in there as much as they can. This is the media and the journalism we have today. If you can come up with some way to divide and to push your agenda that the majority of the American people don't want, that's what you do. Okay, that's not the journalism I was taught or I was known growing up. You reported the information out there that was available by watching what was going on. To me, this is almost an, a criminal act of providing misinformation and misdirection to the American people because you have the bully pulpit out there. You're dishonest. And that's across the board. It doesn't matter whether it's Fox or it's MSNBC or it's CNN. Uh, across the board, they do a political spin on everything that they get instead of reporting the truth. Leave your opinions out of it. Let me form my own opinion. That's what journalism is. Get the truth out there. What happened? Exactly what happened. Not your freaking opinion. And not some Democratic Party or Republican Party or whatever party it is, their opinion and what they want pushed forward. Let the American people have their own opinion and develop it. You give them the information, the truth, the true information, and not some biased BS that you think is going to sell a newspaper because now you have created problems. And that's another thing that our media is doing these days. They are creating situations that are, oh my God, hair on fire, the world's coming to an end. Stop it. I don't want to interfere with our press or to constrain them or censor them, but some of the things you guys out there and women are doing today borders on criminal. And you should be taken to task for it, if not jailed for it. Okay? 
And like I said, these are my opinions. That's the way I feel. I've always been very respectful and awed by journalism. But today, the journalists and the media we have today make me freaking sick to my stomach. I wished I could do something about it, but I can't. I do it my own way with these podcasts and with my views and what I bring out to you. So until tomorrow, be safe, be good. God bless America. This has been a Valkyrie Productions podcast with your host, Terry Mills. Copyright 2020. If you'd like to contact us, you can write us at vfamm2020 at gmail.com. Until tomorrow, good day and God bless America.